0: Henson's log. Doesn't seem to be any more interference to the time bubble, but I am keeping an eye on it. I can then send a a signal and try and get Starfleet to rescue me from whatever this thing is. The transition from 1930s New York to now 1930s San Francisco seems to have gone on alright. It just all sort of changed around me. Nothing seems to affect the bubble from the outside, but everything I'm doing seems to have an impact on it.
1: (coughs) What the? Who are you? Oh, don't mind me. I'm just here with your food.
0: Excuse me, forgive me. Aren't you a packled?
1: <laughs> yes, I am strong. I am Serenade.
0: Pleasure to meet you, Serenade. Um, forgive me, though, what's a packled doing coming from a godlike dimension?
1: Oh, I-, I look for things that make me go, that make me strong. Um, I've heard that that's what your species does, but...
0: That doesn't really explain or answer my question.
1: No, 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 it, 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 good. Um, one day I go to my cousin Reginard and I say I will find things to make me strong. Right. I fly ship, I take ship out into big black space. Uh Uh-huh. I did not know what to do, so I empty head of all thinking. You meditated. (laughs) Huh, huh, huh. You are smart. I have such empty, empty thinking that I go. You go? You... you go?
0: You moved into a godlike entity's dimension by meditating and emptying your head. I'm strong. You certainly are. Um, forgive me, Serenade, but why have you come into the bubble?
1: Oh, I, I'm here to deliver food. You're the delivery boy. I, I bring things to make you strong.
0: Well, thank you very much, but I'm not really comfortable with the idea of someone serving
1: me food. Um, does that mean that the gods treat you like a slave? No, no, no. I, I'm strong. I go... I like doing this. Well, that's very nice, but you really don't have to. No. No. Big big Q man said that I had to do it. I had to bring you food. Keep you strong. Keep you going. Keep you talking, because you're smart. He needs to feed me. He hasn't fed me before in this whole time. Hang on a minute, Serad. Do you know why I'm in this bubble? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. You... You... You listen, you watch, you watch things to make them go. What? You... here... watching things to make them go. I'm... I'm watching history, yes. How does that make them
0: go? Oh, oh, I- I don't know. Oh, no, 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 no Serenar, no, just don't, don't feel like I'm, I'm pressuring you, but I'm just trying to understand why exactly I'm here. Oh,
1: okay, those big people. The Q-man, they need to go. They do not want to be in place. They they want to go. They need new things to make them strong, to make them go. Something I'm doing by watching history will give them the ability to leave their prison? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Something to make them strong, make them go. Serenade, thank you so much.
0: Now I know what this is all about. This wasn't about entertainment. This is a jailbreak. They need me to find something in history that will allow them to
1: to go. Yeah, huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, I, I bring food. I, I make you strong so you can go. Thank you,
0: Serenard. Uh, don't let me keep you. And you sure you want to go back to them? Doesn't sound like they really treat you very well. I've got you delivering my food. No, no, I, I'm fine. I'm
1: fine. I play games. I have fun. Okay. Well, as long as you're sure. It's okay. okay. I'd go now. You strong. I strong. Serenade strong. Serenade,
0: you're a true gent. Thanks for this. Ooh. What is this?
1: Oh, They they call it Cosmic Pizza. Cosmic Pizza? What on earth is that? Oh, it's... It's kinda everything.
0: Oh. Okay. Sounds quite tasty. Safe journey back to... Wherever that place is. Oh.
1: Thank you. You... You're nice. You're smart. You're strong. Thanks, Serenade. Bye. This is actually
0: really good pizza. So Q needs me... To get them... All out of the prison. Now that party... In the realm... Wherever it was... Makes sense. They think they're going to escape... Because of something I'm going to find for them. Well, joke's on them. I'm definitely getting out of here now. Spacetime. The ever-expanding frontier. These are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the Star Trek franchise ever. Its mission? To locate every second and contemplate every eon. From outside time to the Big Bang All the way to the end of all existence. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. This is the Temporal Trek Podcast. Hello and welcome back to Temporal Trek. We are in Season 1, Part 1, Episode 2. This time we're going to Deep Space Nine, Season 3, in Past Tense, Part 2. And we're going to start at timestamp 10 minutes and 8 seconds. Now we see uh, Kira and we see O'Brien materialise on a street. Now, as I was using my device, as you just heard, I was able to transport both from New York in 1930 across the state, and now I am in San Francisco. That's said in the clip, so we can figure that out as well. Uh, And from there, we see them arrive on the street in garb that, even though it's attempting to look casual and... It looks... uh, As far from the uniform as you can possibly get, it still stands out as very, very odd. You'd think that perhaps uh, they might have tried to wear something that could work in any century. You know, um, you've got... A knowledge that you are going back in time. You are following these electrostatic charges uh, that uh, O'Brien is talking about, as because they seem to be tracking down both uh, Bashir and Cisco, which he says in the dialogue. Um, side note: just calling back to a *City on the Edge of Forever*. Um, electrostatic charges—they would have been really useful when trying to find uh, McCoy. Maybe that's something that's changed over the last 80 years in technology. Spock didn't have it, but these guys definitely do. But getting back to the point I was going to make, they, they seem to be aware that they are at least time-trumping to certain periods in time. Now, between 1930 and today, it would be fairly easy for a crew member to wear just a plain white shirt, very baggy, maybe some baggy trousers, and they would fairly well fit in. In the 1930s, it kind of stands out being in these uh, sort of well-worn, rugged... Uh, almost hippie-like outfits. Now, I'm obviously not going to spoil anything, but maybe we'll come back to that in a moment in another episode. But they are walking up and down the street. Um, They walk past a Rolls-Royce. Judging by that vehicle, it is the mid-20th century. Now, we know it's also 1930s, partly because we see the same poster we had in the previous episode on City on the Edge of Forever we are seeing the Cook versus Mason rematch, as mentioned by Paul Wright uh, back on our City on the Edge of Forever review. But this time, rather than Madison Square Garden, they're going to be fighting at the Bayland Garden, and it's going to be the biggest rematch of all time. Now, this poster is a a sort of a a sidekick, maybe a friend, on this little journey uh, in the 20th century, because it will appear again very soon, soon. Because it will appear again very shortly the characters talk about the transporter needs to reengage, so they clearly got it on some sort of uh, timed lockdown a, a you know, quick beam in beam out sort of thing uh, I think that's the first time we've ever seen that technology being used in the show that you could set a timer beam in and then quickly get out within a matter of seconds um, it, it would be quite a handy thing I imagine in future episodes to come if you could just have an allotted time to be there. Certainly if you were in a negotiation, you knew you needed a couple of minutes and then that would beam you out to safety before anyone realised. Perhaps when we're doing our full reviews in the full episodes, we'll have to review and see whether this timer technology would have been more helpful earlier on. We see that poster, as I mentioned, as a couple come out of what looks to be a speakeasy type of saloon, a diner, a bar, a place that probably shouldn't be there. Because at this time we are talking the prohibition era, we are talking the cutback in the use of alcohol. Society uh, is supposed to be shunning the alcohol, but of course, you push something underground, it goes underground. It will become uh, the new norm for people to do, to try and flout the law. speak were almost... Although hidden were open knowledge. Everybody knew they did it. Everybody knew that it was happening. Um, it was almost the acceptable drug, as it still is today, um, as uh, it still is a hundred years later. It's quite funny. The couple see Kira again, sort of wearing garb that uh, would sort of put them off. You know, they would see her as perhaps you know, lesser. Um, you know, lower class, even though this is the United States, where obviously class system isn't as prevalent as, say, here in the UK, um, they would clearly see a divide between the two. They are from two different backgrounds, two different uh, measures of wealth. They are exceptionally well dressed and they are beautiful costumes. And then you've got Kira, who is wearing something that would be um, a, a working class person. Uh, she has a piece of tape over her nose and she just simply says, I broke my nose. Now, as we've seen the poster that the couple walked past, that's where I'm going to break, and I will give our history lesson for the episode, specifically looking at 1930, but for San Francisco, instead of New York, as with our previous episode. I have to say, there's not much to go on. Any of the historical research I was able to find... Uh, focuses on very small stories, you know, new buildings being constructed. But generally, the picture I seem to get for 1930s San Francisco is that it's a boom time. Despite the Depression, despite all the depravity that we saw in New York, you're actually seeing a massive increase in expenditure on infrastructure and buildings, and churches are being erected. Uh, there's lots of Um, infrastructure for government as well so you're seeing government buildings civil buildings being put up to house the latest postal services and things like that there is still a very strong prohibition push you've got a lot of major busts large uh, cafes lots of nightclubs being busted almost one a week One of my favourite little pieces of trivia is that actually on May 31st, 1930, Clint Eastwood, actor and director, is actually born and went to uh, Oakland High School later, near San Francisco. So looking at this time, looking for a famous celebrity or name, and sadly that's it for the history section. There really isn't much that I can go on for this time. As I say, it's more about what's going on in the background. There's a lot of construction going on. There are a lot of police cases going on. There are uh, a lot of very specific information to that region that, on a wider scale, doesn't really reflect many things in the history section. Widely, the whole country is going through depression. We have prohibition. We have a lot going on in the grand scheme of things, but local to San Francisco. Other than massive infrastructure reform, there isn't a lot going on on a bigger picture. So, back to the episode. This clip ends very abruptly as O'Brien looks to Kira, who has just said, I broke my nose, and he just says, you should have let me do all the talking. And we end at timestamp 11 minutes and one second. So, not much to go on. Uh, As you can see, we've located our point in time, 1930 San Francisco. Next is our continuity. Now, you could argue that both Kira and O'Brien... Going back in time, intercepting that couple. Um, they have delayed them on their journey, perhaps that couple are going off to do something. Perhaps they are um, uh, an infamous couple suddenly disappeared, or uh, actually about to get into a car that was going to be in an accident. Uh, or on the nicer side of things, um, perhaps they were about to go off and uh, they will, you know, meet a, another group of people. And all for the positive. What I'm getting at is just the mere presence of Kira. And O'Brien at that point in history could change everything, it could send ripple effects out through history. Imagine this just off, off chance. We all know Batman, I um, uh, I adore Batman, it's, it's my other hobby, it's my other interest in the sci fi community. But what if these were the Wayne's? You know, what if uh, by intercepting them, slowing them down, um, they were before they go to a crime, Alley? Of course, you know, Bruce isn't with them, but. You know, if you delay them in some way, what if they miss Joe Chill? What if they don't get killed? You know, these are the kind of ripple effects in time that I'm looking at when I look at continuity. You could argue that because this episode takes place where there's a bigger focal point in time that will affect all of history. You know, if there was going to be some ripple effect by them going back to the 1930s, we would also see that. We don't see that later on. Now, that takes place outside this clip, so we don't know that for sure. But in terms of continuity knowing that there's a wider story to be told and that this never really gets mentioned again i'm going to say there is no impact on continuity alterations now of course 1930s you know i'd want maybe a, a little side effect maybe a, a reference to city on the edge of forever they're picking up other chronometric distortions over in new york you know just a, that tiny little thing we already have the poster which is a nice direct reference to the episode. But just a little bit more, maybe a little bit more tech-to-tech. It doesn't have to be in a direct quote or they're picking up on the same signals um, or, or it doesn't have to tie in in any sort of way. But it would have been kind of fun to, to know that that's happening at the same time. So for me, if I was to alter this scene, I probably would have just put one slight line saying, I'm reading a chromometric distortion in New York and everybody knows, if they're a Trekkie, what's going on. Uh, but other than that, I think the scene does what it needs to do. They establish a bit of jeopardy. We know that we're trying to find uh, Cisco and Bashir, and uh, we kind of have a nice little uh, homage to uh, you know, Spock and the ears and having to explain the alien um, uh, to these people and uh, just having a piece of tape over a nose. Much easier than having to uh, imagine a-, a Chinese rice picker. On alterations, that's probably all I'm going to go for. Recommendations. As we know, we're recommending to Star Trek fans, non-Star Trek fans, and to my godlike entities. Now to Star Trek fans, yes, we know that it's important that they need to find Cisco and Bashir, but these scenes don't necessarily need to exist um, as far as our appreciation of the wider series. In these episodes, this is a fantastic episode. He's almost a distraction from what is the main story of such a good and powerful story. So really a recommendation for star trek fans i don't think i can give it to this scene it's it's wonderful it's it's nice bit of acting it does give us uh the sense of jeopardy and and urgency but it's just not there it's not a a standout set of few minutes um there isn't much we learn about our characters our main characters that we don't already know from other episodes so from star trek fans probably not uh, and i'm not going to recommend that to non-star trek fans Again, it might be a bit fun to sort of see the time play, uh, you know, seeing the uh, I Broke My Nose uh, It's funny, but it's, it's still not meaty enough. It doesn't give you enough. If you're making that, uh, you know, brainwashing kit, as I always say, if you're trying to get people into the series... This doesn't stand out as something that's like, oh, I really like that scene. That might be me putting my own prejudice spin on it. Uh, perhaps this would be of interest because it doesn't have your your spaceships, your lasers and all that sort of thing. But there's really nothing standing out here. So to non-Star Trek fans, I'm not going to recommend To the godlike entities. As I've said before, although we're setting up Jeopardy and, and all this sort of thing, we know that we're trying to find Cisco and Bashir. This could be done with a line of dialogue on the Defiant. I'm scanning through time. Uh, this could all be done on the bridge. This could be a, a conversation uh, in a conference room done with all the characters. Perhaps there's more that we could have an input from other people. Odo could have a word and things like this. This scene could be played out in any other matter of way as long as it got the same information. So in the grand scheme of things, this scene doesn't really need to exist. So to my godlike entities? I can't recommend. And last but not least, it's S for setup. Join me next week as... Hang on a minute. What's this device saying now? Swipe left. Swipe left? Oh, with your finger. Whoa! Whoa! Whoa. Hang on a minute, the device is saying I'm in Russia? Isn't that... that's Lenin! Revolution? I can't be right, I've already skipped this decade. Who are you? Why do you kind of look like me? Who am I? Who are you? My name is Daniel Zaminka. Daniel Smith. Daniel Hitch. But my name's Daniel Hitch. Weird coincidence, no? I'd say pretty damn weird coincidence. Considering you just appeared when... Lenin just got shot. Ah, yes. Da. Yes. Uh, Lenin, the uh, big enemy of state... He... he killed... And then... State returned to normal. State returned to... No! Russian Revolution! Everything changed! Your entire country completely... Oh... Swipe left on the device. This is an alternate reality. That means the next episode isn't happening in my timeline. It's happening in yours. That means the timestamp for the next episode actually starts Season 3, Enterprise, Zero Out. I'm not getting a good fix on when actually they're time-travelling. The closest I can narrow it down is 40 minutes and 51 seconds. I need to work out what's going on here. Um, Thanks very much for listening, and maybe I'll catch you in the next time stream. If there is a time stream, um, say goodbye, Daniel. Goodbye, Daniel. No, never mind. If you'd like to contact the show, there's now a Twitter account search Temporal Trek Podcast at rider underscore coattail or contact me directly at hitch underscore Daniel. I'm also on Instagram, daniel underscore hitch underscore writer. There's also a website with all of the timestamps you need to follow along. Go to ridingcoattails.simplesite.com and click the Temporal Trek page link. The show is always going to be free, there's no Patreon at all. But if you wish to financially contribute to the show, feel free to find my books by searching me, Daniel Hitch, on Amazon. And we'll catch you in the next time stream.